1: This
0: is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, Site Visibility have a piece of shameless self-promotion because they've just released their 2020 PPC automation guide, the guide is completely free to download, and it will help you get started in each of the new automation settings within Google Ads. This includes smart bidding, responsive ad testing, dynamic search ads, and more. The best way to accelerate your PPC growth in 2020 is to start planning today. So download your free guide, which is at bit.ly B-I-T dot slash ppc hyphen automation hyphen guide. Now today I'm joined by Daniel Cooper, founder at Lolly and Lolly
1: is in London. Daniel, how are you? Very well, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on to such an excellent podcast this morning.
0: Well, thank you very much. You're very kind. I'll give you the £20 later. Um, (laughs) Let's start off. Uh, Tell us a bit about yourself, Daniel,
1: and also a bit about Lolly. Sure. So I'm a a technical founder, if you will, uh, and I've been a developer for a, a long time now from a very young age i've been obsessed with computers Uh, my father would say that i've been breaking computers since i was 10 i like to put it that i inherit computers i actually inherited an ibm uh, pc back in the early 90s uh, that was purely dos based which i just mucked about with for a number of years um, which inevitably led me to programming which inevitably and i should probably stop telling people led me to Cheat on my GC maths exam and ace it uh, oh. at the time during the, the GC maths exams, and they, which is a, a, an exam type in the UK when you're around 16, they released uh calculators to the students, which were uh these Casio new Casio machines and they were algebra fx uh, calculators. and You could actually program it with BASIC, which is a programming language, oh, uh, yes, which allowed me to basically program the entire syllabus uh, into the calculator. <laughs> Uh, acing acing the exam uh ironically learning the entire syllabus as i went but but there we go so if any of my old school teachers are listening i'm sorry but uh there we go i've got them all so, with me here daniel they're, they're they're all gathered around me uh listening. yeah exactly right so yeah there we go i'm in trouble now but um <laughs> yeah as i said you know i've been a developer a long time um since a young age i've been making developing a program in php python sql and a number of other languages um, I'm a tech entrepreneur and engineer, and I've got a, about a decades worth of experience of running businesses. And for a long, long time, a passion of mine has been SEO uh, and automating a lot of business tasks that we do for ourselves and for our clients. Now, I am i I'd love talking to
0: tech engineering type people. And today, I specifically want to talk about, largely, I want to talk about automation, but I also want to sort of mix in a few other things as well. Let's start off with... Um, Yeah, let's start off with automation tools and specifically linking them together. What are your thoughts
1: there? Sure. So almost all of the tools that business owners use these days are are based in the cloud. And a big push over the last five years from a lot of those tools has been releasing of uh, what we call uh, open RESTful APIs. Mm. An API, uh, if you're not familiar, basically allows the server of the software provider who are in the cloud to talk to code your end. So things like Slack, uh, which is, you know, a communication tool, or Stripe for taking payments, or even your bank and email providers uh, actually have APIs. So you can start to link things together to do really, really cool stuff that often is actually quite a bore uh, and a chore to do.
0: Mm. So, I mean, I have played with things like i can never get this right is it if this then that with yeah, which correct, translates yeah. to i t t t is that right i t t t that's yeah is, yeah yeah that's like a glue isn't it to if I, I guess that's am i right in saying that's quite a good tool for people that aren't so much into like
1: deep programming
0: to play with would that be a fair comment
1: one hundred percent. To use that tool, you don't actually need any programming experience. You can sign up online and download it to your phone, and all you really need to do is give it access to all of your different tools, and, and you can do really like interesting stuff with that, um, which is really quite helpful. You know, you can go from doing things where if it's going to rain in the morning, it will send you an SMS to let you know, to, to more complex stuff where you're automatically throwing into Slack any mentions uh, of a keyword in Twitter, which can be really, really helpful if you're looking for mentions and wanting to jump on things very quickly. So it does a number of things, and you'd be amazed of all the different services that uh, IFTTT have, have managed to slice up and put into their into their, uh universe if you will
0: bit of a hard question this is because there's probably no way to, to to know but what's your feeling about the uptake of things like ittt um are they used very much in business or do you think they're they're used more by smaller outfits
1: i think it depends on the business scale so if we're dealing with businesses that have got to a point where they have c-suite level managers throughout the company and where you're employing over 100 people then it's doubtful that you'd use ifttt you probably need to do something more powerful and bespoke Mm. when we're talking companies with 10 or less employees ifttt is perfect at the end of the day there's a balance between budget uh, and a balance between perfection on what you're trying to achieve if something scrapes through and does just about what you need but it costs you nothing to do, just five minutes of your time, they're fantastic. If you need something very precise, then you need to look at something that's bespoke. I think there's there's room for both of those in any process, to be completely honest.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to move on to something uh, slightly removed from automation, although I also, I suppose, linked to it, which is the importance of data, because obviously we need good data to work out what to do, what to automate. Um, now, I know you've got some quite interesting stories on... Data, the importance of data, and specifically PR, haven't you?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, PR in a, the aspect of digital PR it is really now becoming uh, a really, really important part of SEO. For for a long, long time, you know, we've all always tried to build backlinks, and that's one of our main things. Once we've got our technicals right on our sites, uh, and we're producing really good content, and we've done all our keyword research, we're then saying to ourselves, right, how do I now point high quality backlinks? add a website in order to prove to Google its its value and its worth to bring everything up in the rankings. So as I said, a long time ago, we were talking, if we go back 10 years, everyone was talking, we'll just put some comments on a forum or on a blog post, or let's just sneak a backlink in here. And Google slowly over time, as we all know, has introduced algorithms which have slowly given us a slap on the wrist and made us become more honest with our backlinking strategies where now we're looking for relevance and we're looking for high-quality sites and we're moving away from things like guest posting as much. And we're trying to find things that are more based on true popularity of a brand rather than a manual manipulation of rankings because that's what Google wants to really get down to at the end of the day. So PR is where that link then jumps, if you will. So with digital PR, we're doing what we would with traditional PR, which is spreading uh, information about our company out to journalists, magazines, online publishers in order to get coverage and traffic. But at the same time, we're looking for really valuable backlinks. The really, really important thing to note here about data especially is this. If you speak to journalists now, go and speak to someone on on LinkedIn or if you happen to know a journalist and you're lucky enough to get to talk to them, speak to them about budgets and speak to them about time constraints. And you'll start to discover that newspapers and uh, online publishers, journalists, there are probably a quarter of the journalists now uh, in press rooms that there were a decade ago. Their budgets are massively slashed uh, and they just have not got the time or the permission to do heavy data-led research that they once were able to do. This all comes down to the fact that online publishers are struggling, and we all know that. Mm. Um, some of them are now having to wall their content and ask you to subscribe. Others are using advertising, and it's a really difficult um, line to tread. Um, that Even companies and, and newspapers like the Daily Mail, who only recently suffered from a, a really quite a nasty dropout of the rankings after an algorithm update at Google, they're struggling to do so. You need to step into the journalist's shoes and provide the data for them. A really great example of this uh, is the not suitable for work link, Pornhub.com. Yeah. So Pornhub, as we all know, is uh, an adult site. If you were the SEO there and you walked in on day one and they said, Andy, we want you to build some backlinks for us, do you think, God, how am I going to build backlinks to a porn site from <laughs> clean websites yeah. uh, and make them natural? So the only way they can do that is by digital PR with their data. Now they have got a wealth of data that no one else has really got apart from their major competitors. And as far as I'm aware, they are the largest of their kind out there and have pretty much the majority of the data. So they've done some really interesting stuff with this and, They actually have, uh, which is a suitable for work link, uh, an insights folder. So if you went to Pornhub.com front slash insights, you would discover all of their digital PR in one folder there. That one folder that contains their digital PR alone has 7,200 domains pointing at it. And those websites pointing to it are brands like Forbes, Business Insider, The Guardian, the BBC, Vice. How? Those are (laughs) huge. Well, at the end of the day you know they're they're reaching out to the journalists, so they're they're coming yeah. up with a story on the back of their data, yes, they're doing really nice content on that data, so they're visualizing the data, providing as much information as they can, finding really interesting insights from that and then what they're doing is once they produce that piece of content, they're then reaching out to the journalists with almost a classic p r pitch to say, "Hey, look, here's the story. Would you be interested in running this and a lot of the time, the journalists would jump on it because it's data-led. It's quite deep research, and they're not going to, to get that from anywhere else. And, and it, frankly, it's quite interesting. Sex sells. So sure. they're really able to run with that. Amazing.
0: You had another story. It was um, – how was it? The Bath Bomb Company. VAT – is it VAT19?
1: Vat, yeah, VAT19. I've watched this company for years. Uh, they're quite they're – quite they're an older e-commerce company. Yeah. Their website isn't the most pretty, uh, although I suspect – they do that on purpose, but that's a, a conversation for another day. Um, but they've done some really interesting stuff. So they've got, they've got huge amounts uh, of, of backlinks, um, and they've also got huge volumes of followers on YouTube. So if you look at their YouTube channel, uh, which is VAT19.com, you'll see they've got 7 million YouTube subscribers. Then if you look at their domain, they've got 6,900 domains pointing to them with websites such as New York Times, Forbes, and Bing. Now they're taking a different approach with their digital PR. They're not being data-led, but they're doing things that the journalists can't do. For instance, their bath bombs. They thought it would be fun to create the largest bath bomb in the world. Now I think, now don't quote me on this, but I think it was 50 kg. That's a, that's <laughs> what I think it was. I mean, it was like a, it was like a boulder. Imagine the biggest snowman base you could ever. Feasibly <laughs> roll it was that type of size, and they made a really good YouTube video uh, of them creating this thing. Mm. Um, and then they rolled it into a swimming pool uh, and all jumps in the pool. Uh, really cool. Um, it, it's good because it's original. Like I said, no journalist is going to bother doing that. And that's just really quite uh, a lengthy amount of time to get that done. And they do it with other things as well you know, the biggest gummy bear in the world, the longest. Um, gummy worm in the world and they're releasing all these and it's getting them some excellent coverage as far as um, online mentions are concerned but more than that they're actually picking up really great um, YouTube subscribers and Mm. with video being such a powerful medium and and really coming to the force this year I would think with content marketing uh, it it really allows them to get their brand out there whilst also building excellent SEO um, backlinks to to their domain it's fantastic amazing
0: I'd like to, I'd like one of those bath bombs. So yeah, check it out on YouTube. We could even put a yeah, link in yeah, the show really, notes.
1: Really worth doing. I mean there's some really good examples out there. There's a there's a good uh, if anyone's interested in kind of getting um, monthly updates on great um, digital PR and content marketing, uh, there's a um, a really good uh, newsletter out there called Content Curated. I hmm. uh, will make sure we put it in the in the in the sh- in the show notes the, the the place where you can find that. But it's basically a monthly roundup. Uh, of the best digital PR and content marketing uh, out there is fantastic. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Ooh, it's a good way of wording it. Quality over quantity, I suppose. Um, what are your thoughts on
1: that? Yeah, sure. So we have a saying called Effort Ship It, <laughs> uh, which I believe is a Mark Zuckerberg quote, which basically just means get the code released and get it tested. Yeah. Now, when you're in Effort Ship It mode and you're doing that with your website or with an app you're making or with software or any automation tool you're making, you create what we call technical debt. And there's a bit of a danger there in that you're moving so fast, so quickly, that you're, you're excited by all the new releases you're making and you leave behind all this technical debt. And if you're not careful... The the quantity of speed will outpace the quality of your code and leave massive, with websites, architectural issues. Uh, it can leave um, some serious logical bugs in software and apps, and it can be quite dangerous. There is a time and a place for effort it ship it, uh, and I would say proceed with caution, although it does get mentioned more than once a week in our office, I would say. And yet and it's our... not
0: office safe.
1: No, no, it's not. No, it's not. I would also say the same when it comes to SEO. So really with SEO, you are looking for quality. Put it this way, I would rather see one relevant link to a client site from the BBC or the Guardian than 100 links from small Joe Blogs websites mm. every, every time. It's a challenge to sometimes explain that to clients, but at the same time, it makes a vast, vast difference. Uh, and, and you can you can really see that in in the rankings in Google, you know, poor quality links and poor quality content lead to poor rankings. Google will not reward your badly written, thin and non-original piece of content that have very nasty backlinks that look dodgy over something that's of extremely high quality that attracts fantastic links it really is as simple as that
0: yeah and we've talked about pr i mean we started off talking about automation but we touched on pr and quality over quantity uh we have to just have a little bit of a chat about content marketing i suppose specifically the last few years what are your thoughts on content marketing where it's going what's been happening
1: Sure. So uh, the SEO community has gone a bit of a transition on content marketing on what is good content marketing and what is not good content marketing. For a long time, there was a really big argument on the length of content. Uh, if your content's only a thousand word longs, then it's thin. Or Your content must be over 2,000 words long. And then we started heading towards what we call skyscraper content. Mm. Content must be over 12,000 words. And there was an argument over how much content Google liked to see on a page. And the big misunderstanding in all of that was relevancy. Google's natural language processing is, is really trying to understand the relevance of your content to the keywords that you're trying to rank for. Yeah. Now, what people were really quite misunderstanding with quant- uh, the, uh, the the length of the the content was the fact that by accident, they were actually covering a load of phrases and a really long piece of content that Google was then linking back with its NLP saying, you know, tick, 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 tick. Those are all about X subjects. So therefore, this is a more concise and relevant piece. Uh, And that's why the shorter pieces were often not ticking as many boxes simply because there wasn't room enough to do so. Now, that's a really important thing to think about there. And if you're writing content and you're fluffing in order to bring up a word length, you're actually just wasting your own time uh, and no one's going to read it. You really need to think about relevance and the sub-query beneath the keyword you're trying to rank for. I always say to our internal copywriters, when we write a piece – The challenge is to consider the query that the person searching for through Google is really looking for. So what's the answer they're trying to get here? What's the data they're looking for? So you should, from one keyword, simply be able to spin that out into sub-keywords to work out all of the information a concise piece should have and break up the, the content piece into that. It is really important and I think if you're still producing content where it's based off of one keyword and you're just rambling, you're in big trouble and it is a matter of time before you become outranked by the competitors. At the end of the day, there are tools out there now that allow you to, to get a good grasp on this such as ClearScope uh, and Market Muse, which use NLP and they scrape the Google rankings to get an understanding of the top 30 on how that data comes together and as you know, Andy, SEO is a bit of a—it's almost like a cold war, but between a million different countries. In that, we're all trying to weaponize and to outdo each other with smarter, more intelligent tools. And I, mm. I think this is going to be the new front uh, in what we're seeing. Uh, and I know that a lot of people are starting now to to use natural language processing in their efforts to rank.
0: Interesting, you said because you, get, you mentioned NLP, of course, natural <laughs> natural language processing. Some of the older viewers or listeners may may get confused with neuro-linguistic programming.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, certainly not to be confused. Um, The the natural language processing is fantastic, really. I mean, Google themselves, actually, Google Cloud is, is... Google service um, which allows you to host things uh, on google servers and do a lot of things with them but one of the services in google cloud is actually their natural language processing tool and according to google it is exactly the same tool that they use to produce the search rankings mm. now you can use it. it you do have to pay google to use it it's not vastly expensive depending on the data you're putting through it and you can do the same with ibm watson they have their own version as well which is excellent, but with little coding you can actually really um find some fantastic results uh, and start to get some excellent insights uh, into your content and the content of others uh, and i think that's where we're heading now definitely you know i, I think that any any seos listening who Aren't developers uh, and are thinking, how am I possibly going to do that? The key is just get started. Mm. Uh, I think in the community, especially potentially SEOs who can't program, could technically find themselves in quite a bit of trouble going forwards. Interesting.
0: A whole area, a whole another podcast episode, possibly. Okay, we've spoken about quite a few things today. Uh, what would be the one thing for our listeners to take away today, if you could choose one thing?
1: Sure. I think that automation in business uh, is vital. We all know that introducing business processes and systems as we develop our businesses is vital. As you get larger and larger, you'll find you're working on more and more systems and operations to the point where in the end you've got 200 employees and you actually don't do any work, you just work on systems. Automating those systems is vital uh, and you can actually manage to automate a large volume of the work your employees are doing day in, day out. I'm certainly not suggesting that you trim employees once you've automated those processes. In fact, you should be really finding tool, uh, really finding processes that can't be automated and getting to talk to your customers more. That is the key. You can just get started. Coding is actually not as hard as people make it out to be. That's the the secret that developers don't like to tell you.
0: I would, I would back that up 100%, 120%. Thank you so much for coming on, Daniel. Um, How can
1: our listeners find out more about you, more about Lolly? Sure. Uh, You're more than welcome to visit my personal website, danielcooper.im, that is, uh, to read more about my cheating uh, of exams as a child. (laughs) Uh, Or if you want to find out about more we do as a a company and kind of more of our uh, endeavours in automation, you're very much welcome to visit lolly.co.
0: Well, thanks, Daniel, and thanks for listening, everyone. The show notes will be in the usual place, sitevisibility.co.uk slash impodcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a fab review. That would be great. Uh, Questions and suggestions, the email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at sitevisibility. Remember that we have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. So that's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Daniel. Goodbye. Thanks, Daniel, and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.